what if, right, what if we realize that God isn't upstairs in heaven keeping a list? What if we really understood that God loved us not based on what we did, but on who he is? That what if, no matter what we've done, what we've said, or how we've tried to get right with God to be good enough, it will never be good enough because it has to equal Jesus. And we just accepted the fact that he loves us and we allowed that thought to get so deep into us that we believe it and then we live our lives based on it. What if there was someone that loved you so much it didn't matter how ugly you cried in the bathroom over a situation in your life, it didn't matter. And it didn't matter what your kids said to you and it didn't matter what your parents said to you and it didn't matter what your coworkers said to you, but you knew you were loved because God is love. This morning, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth. It's a story between Ruth and Boaz, but there's some other key players. So let me give you a little background of the story. It's this. It's that Ruth had a mother-in-law named Naomi. And she also had a sister-in-law named Orpah. Now, Naomi's two sons have died. And now she has two daughter-in-laws that are with her. And she tells them, ladies, you can go on back to your homeland. You don't need to stay with me. I will figure this out and take care of it myself. And so she blesses them, and she says, okay, go ahead and go. Go ahead and leave and go back to your homeland where you can be taken care of. Does anybody ever just sometimes you just want to go home, right? If I was just a kid again, and I didn't have to adult, don't act like you've never said that, right? Some of you said that just preparing for Valentine's. I'm not even joking, like this morning I went to the supermarket to get something. This morning, do you know how many men were in the floral department of the supermarket this morning? And I just want to tell them, if you're waiting till now to think of your wife, what's that mean when you communicate with her? What's that mean in how you love her? I'm just saying. Like, I wanted to start taking pictures of all these guys and putting it on social media. If this is your husband, he's just now thinking of you. I stopped by the coffee shop. There was a guy in there, and he likes his coffee straight and black. Doesn't need no frou-frou coffee. I mean, he was that kind of guy. Like, he does not belong in the coffee shop. He's got his phone out. I'd like a mocha latte frappo something. I'm like, he is only here because he asked his wife what she wanted for Valentine's Day, and he's in the frou-frou coffee shop getting his frou-frou coffee for his wife. I mean, it's just written all over, right? And you know what that says? 
and I'm not condemning any guy that's waited to the last minute, right? Maybe you've had a, maybe, maybe you just had one of those weeks. But it, it, it says, I got to do this or else. She's on my list, and I better check it off. This is on my list. I better check it off. I better get it done. Right? You know the marriages that are strong when they look at each other and go, we're not getting anything this year for <laughs> Valentine's. Forget it. Okay. Right? And so here's how all this ties in, because we're going to see Boaz as a key figure of our story is going to love Ruth even though she has nothing to give. And Ruth is going to love her mother-in-law and say, no, I'm not going home where I'm more comfortable. I'm going to stay with you in a foreign land even though it's difficult because you're my mother-in-law and I love you. Now her sister-in-law, Orpah, is like, I'm out, gone. And she goes home. Right? And so what happens? Well, in this story, they begin to go to the field, to Boaz's field, and they begin to do what's called gleaning. Now, it is in Jewish law that all farmers are not to harvest the outer two rows of their fields. They are to leave that for the widows and for the poor, and they are to come and harvest those two rows for their needs, for their food, right? So for their cattle or whatever, they were always to leave extra for the poor who could not necessarily provide for themselves. And so that's what Boaz has done. And so Ruth goes with Naomi in their culture and they go out and they begin to glean or they begin to harvest what Boaz has left in his field. And so we come to the point in the story where Boaz has looked out over his field and he sees this elderly woman and he sees Ruth. And he says to his right-hand person who's taking care of his farmland for him, he says, who is that? Do I have any guys that can relate, right? The first time you got a picture of your wife, you went, who's that? Right? It, it, it was one of those, who's that? Not like, who is that? It's like, who's that? You guys... We know the difference on Valentine's Day. Who's that? Okay. So, so Boaz pulls one of these, who's that out in my field? And <laughs> what's she doing in the field? Right? And so he tells his right hand, go find out who that is. And so his right hand comes back. And let's read in Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Okay, this extremely wealthy guy sees Ruth and says, I don't want you going anywhere. Just stay right here. Right? Like, whatever you need, go ahead and glean. Keep working at it. But please, don't go to another field. Stay here with the women who work for me. Go on. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Now he's like giving her insider secrets, right? Guys, you know how this is. Like when you see the woman and you're like, whoo, right? You start probably saying too much on the date. I got guys sitting here going, I don't mean to rat you out. It's just how we do, right? And so 
Boaz just starts talking, and he says, okay, let me give you some insider scoop. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. So he's giving her more insight. He's saying, listen, stay here, go get some water, just relax, follow the men, and pick up after them when they drop stuff. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Her reputation had gone before her. She was... She was a woman that loved deeply. And what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says you reap what you sow. She had sowed deeply in love. She had sowed love deeply with her mother-in-law. And the result is the repu her reputation of love has gone before her. And now she's getting ready to harvest the love that she had sown. You reap what you sow. But here's the interesting thing point here, Boaz, in following God's design to leave the two outer rows, to treat his servants and his employees well, to provide water for them and to provide extra things for them in the field, he's trusting God, he's following God's design, and God is setting Boaz up, and God is setting Ruth up. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Your heavenly father knows what you need and when you need it. You keep following in God's steps. Keep following God's principles. Keep following and doing what God has asked you to do. God will bring the right person along when it's time. This is what Boaz is doing. This is what Ruth is doing. They're both following what God has for them. And here's what Boaz represents for us. Boaz represents someone who's not in need of anything. He's not. He's wealthy. He's very wealthy. He owns cattle. He owns farmland. He owns all kinds of, of things. And he, he has servants and he has employees. And he's like, and he tells Ruth, listen, just, I've seen how you love. Just stay behind them. Go get some water. Do what needs to be done. In this relationship, Boaz needs nothing. He needs nothing. He's, he's fulfilled in and of himself. How many times do we get into a relationship thinking, they have what I need? Anybody? Maybe you've told yourself that. They have what I need. Let, let me tell you something about what your soul does behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, your soul, when you're looking for a soul mate, right? You consciously think you're looking for somebody to complete you. You don't need anybody to complete you. You're complete and whole in Jesus Christ. And in your salvation, you're whole. You're complete. 
And anytime you say, I need somebody to completely complete me, simply tells me you've believed the lie that you are incomplete in and of yourself with the Holy Spirit. What your soul will do is not look for somebody to complete you. Your soul will look for somebody to complement you. Do not look for somebody to complete you. Look for the person that complements you. Do you understand the difference? Because I am complete in and of myself with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But I have an amazing woman that compliments me. Right? What would happen in your relationships if you didn't need something from your spouse? Could you love them more or less? What if we stopped looking at our spouse to give me something I need? What if I didn't, what if you didn't need something from your spouse? Could you love them more? Could you love them less? You would love them more, wouldn't you? Because there's nothing they could give you to complete you. You are already complete in Jesus Christ. There's nothing they can give you to complete you. And so because of that, you love them more. Was there anything Ruth could have done to complete and make Boaz richer, a better person? No. Boaz was who he was. Let me give you a little tip. Women, if you're looking for a man in Genesis, God gave Adam a job before he ever brought him a woman. I'm just saying. Women, that single women, that was your opportunity to clap <laughs> and say amen. Adam had responsibility before he ever got a woman. He was learning to be complete on his own and growing in that. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 out of the message. Our God gives you some of what you need. What's it say? Wait, you guys, anybody awake? I know you all were up late last night, Valentine's, and you probably slept in this morning, made breakfast, you got cinnamon rolls in your guts because your spouse got up and made you cinnamon rolls this morning. No? Somebody did that? All right, we're going to have men meet me in the back corner. No, I'm just kidding. Our God gives you what? Everything. God gives you everything you need and makes you everything you're to be. Who does that? God. Not your spouse. Not somebody else. And so if you're complete can you, and you begin to view yourself as whole, can you love somebody more? Yes. Because you're not dependent on them. Now I get to love you because I choose to love you, not because I have to. Whoo! Isn't that freeing? Does anybody feel free from that? Our God gives us everything. And so because Boaz didn't need anything from Ruth, he was able to just give and give and give. He loved her out of his abundance. Wouldn't it be nice if we loved each other in our relationships from our abundance? From what we have, not from what we think we need. One is a mentality of poverty and one is a mentality of generosity and wealth. One says, I need, I need, I need. I better hang on to this. I better not let go of this. I need this. That's poverty. The other mentality says, 
I've got plenty. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to trust God that God will provide everything that I need. That's a mentality of generosity and wealth. And too many of us live in the idea of poverty, emotionally, mentally, financially, you name it. We live in the realm of poverty. Rarely do we truly believe what the Word of God says and live out of a lifestyle of generosity and wealth. I can give this away. It doesn't matter. God will provide everything I need. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to provide because I'm not in need of anything. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He created the entire universe, and if he knows I need something, he'll provide it. So I'm going to give. Why? Because I'm an heir of the king of the universe. And what's an heir? An heir is somebody who has access to everything their parents have access to. My dad has access to everything, and even then some. Because if I don't have it, he'll just create it. One's the mentality of poverty and one's the mentality of wealth. It's the transition piece that's difficult. So Boaz loved Ruth out of abundance. He didn't need anything from Ruth, so he was able to love her fully. Here's a second question. That you can ask yourself. That's the first, the first question you can ask yourself is, if you didn't need something from your spouse, could you love them more or less? That's the first question. The second question, if you want to improve your relationship, how might sacrificing more for your spouse increase the love between you? How might sacrificing more for your spouse increase the love between you? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2 says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What's Paul telling us in in Ephesians? He's saying, "Live live your life so that it models what Jesus did for us, that he gave up his life, that he sacrificed himself, right? What might it look like if you sacrificed an extra half hour of sleep and got up and just spent 10 minutes with your spouse in a devotional before you both went to work in the morning? What? Because, not because you need it, but because you want to give it to them and provide it for them. What might it look like in your own personal, if you're here and you're single, what might it look like in your own personal relationship with Jesus? If you say, Jesus, I'm going to sacrifice 15 minutes of sleep for you so I can spend an extra 15 minutes in my word and in prayer. What might that look like, right? And to sacrifice means I don't expect anything in return. I don't expect my spouse to do anything in return for me. I don't expect the person in, my, in this relationship, maybe it's not a spouse, maybe it's just a good friend. I don't expect you to do anything in return. Right? How many times have we been in conversations with someone and they said, well, I did that for them and they just didn't do anything, they just, they just never told me they appreciated me. They just never told me that, that, that they liked that. You've told me more about yourself 
than you have about them. You think you're telling me about them, but you're not. You're telling me more about yourself and why you do things. You do things because you expect things in return. That's not what love does. Love does it even though you might spit in my face. You might look down on me. You might slander my name. I don't care what you do. I'm going to love you because I'm whole and complete. Right? And why do we love Jesus? 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. He loved us while we were chanting, crucify him. He loved us while we were punching him in the face and pulling out his beard and shoving a crown of thorns on his head. And he looks up on the cross, he looks up and he goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't, know, they don't comprehend what's going on. How many times do you look down at your kids and you just forgive them because they don't comprehend what you're doing for them? They don't understand it. That's the same thing that happened on the cross. Cross only to a much greater degree. Forgive them. They don't know what's going on. The sacrifice means to not expect anything in return. Jesus is the example for that in our relationship. And if I don't need anything from you, and if I don't need you to make me whole, then I can sacrifice. I have nothing to lose. I'm totally complete in and of myself. I'm loving you because I choose to love you, not because there's a feeling, there's not because there's an attraction, not because of whatever. I'm choosing to love you because I want to love you. That's how relationships last. That's how relationships grow as well. And so the second question was, how might sacrificing more for your spouse increase the love between you? The third question that I want to leave you with this morning is this. If you didn't need something and you sought ways to sacrifice for your spouse, what can be born out of your love? What might be born out of your love? What might be born out of a relationship like Boaz and Ruth when Ruth was already so complete in herself that she said, you know what, I can just stay with you, mother-in-law. I don't need to go back home. I'm going to love you and stay here and provide for you. And Boaz is so complete that he says, just keep doing what you're doing. I, I don't necessarily need you. But the more I look at you and the more I learn about you, I want you. Right? What gets born out of the love between two people that are so complete that they don't need each other because they have Christ, that Christ fulfills them, but they want one another and they complement one another? In Ruth chapter 4, verses 21 through 22, this is what's born out of their relationship. Salmon, yeah, I, maybe his dad was a big fisherman, I don't know. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. 
Ruth and Boaz were the great-grandparents of King David. And you know what came out of the line of David? Jesus. What might be born out of your relationships when you stop needing one another, find yourself completing God, because true love gives birth to life. Love births life. Don't believe me? For God so loved the world that he gave, and that giving was the birth of Jesus Christ. God is love, and his love compelled him to create humanity. Think about this. Love gives birth to life. New life is the result of love. Love brings life. And that's what we need to understand, that, that when we love one another, there is new life and new things created. When a couple comes together, they have so much love that they want to they give it to somebody else, but they don't have anybody else to give it to, so what do they do? They have a baby. And so they spread that love onto that child. Why? Because love brings life. Love can't stand still. And when I have two people that are completely complete and they love each other because they want to love each other, they're attracted to one another, but they don't need each other. Think about how much pressure that puts on the other person in that relationship to know I'm constantly needed all the time. That's draining. I need you. I need you. You ever had those moments in your relationship like, would you just quit being so needy? Right? Don't look at each other. Just, you know, wink at me or, you know, something like how they do, like at, like at an auction, just sold. I get you. I understand. Right? I gave you these three questions this morning for a reason. Because what I want you to do is I want you to slow down, and we're going to get an opportunity to slow down here in just a minute. But I'm going, to want, I'm going to ask you to slow down and really this week give thought to those three questions and write out your answers. Write out what you think. Pray over them. Think about them. I'm going to kind of close this up a little bit with an object lesson that I think will help us understand. And I'm going I'm to do the object lesson, and then I'm going to explain it, okay? Are we good with that? All right. Now, this is the first time I'm doing this. Usually I have a chance to test them, but I did not get a chance to test it. So, and Richard, you understand how working with kids, right? You understand how this works. So, I have this vase here, this glass here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fill it with vegetable oil. And somebody just go, 
But as I pour this out, I'm going to take this other glass. If I'm doing this right, this will completely disappear. You won't be able to see it. And then I'm going to explain it. But I'm going to try. Well, that's, yeah, that's going to be bad. Looky there. See, this is why you're supposed to do them before, right? Well, I'm going to just pour some out. Right? Great idea. Thanks, honey. Okay, there you go. Now, if you look real close, and I don't know if you can see it where, from where you're sitting, but you can see the top line of the vase that's in there, but that vase disappeared, okay? What you're witnessing is called index of reflection. It's a scientific idea, but it's basically this. What happens, the reason you can see this glass is because of light and the speed of light. And the speed of light hits this glass and it reflects and you can see it. But what vegetable oil does is it slows down the speed of light so drastically that when light hits vegetable oil, it slows it down so that you can't see, the light cannot reflect off the vase that's inside the vase. Didn't know vegetable oil slowed down the speed of light, did you? I didn't either. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. What might happen in your relationships, whether it's a marriage or an engagement or just a friendship, what might happen in any relationship if you slow down long enough to answer those three questions. It might just be that the problems you think exist in your relationship, they might just disappear. If you start loving unconditionally and sacrificing, the problems that you think are there may not really even be there. This week, I want to invite you To look at the love of Christ. That Christ came and he filled us, he invites us to have a relationship with him to say, Jesus, I want to accept you and to begin to follow you and yield my life to you in a relationship with you so that you can fill me with the Holy Spirit. So that I may become so full of the Holy Spirit that the me that I think I am dissolves in you and I become full and look more like Jesus and less like myself. Because if we're all being honest in this room, we all have stuff inside of us that just needs to be washed away and done away with through the powerful relationship of the Holy Spirit working inside us. 
I'm going to take the next few minutes as Brent plays. Grab your three by five cards. You have them there with you. I want you to, you don't have to be married. It, it might just be a friendship, maybe your best friend. Um, it could be your spouse. But I want you to think about a relationship specifically. And if you're married, I'd like for you to think about your marriage. Over the next few minutes, I want you to write down five ways that you can sacrifice in that relationship. Or maybe it's your relationship with Jesus. What are five things you can sacrifice this week for Jesus or for your spouse or for your best friend? Because remember, you're whole and complete in Christ. You need nothing. The lie you believe is that you need, but you don't. So go ahead and write down five things that you can sacrifice in that relationship. We're going to close with a song. I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and stand as we close and we sing out. But if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said, Jesus, I want to put you fully in control of my life, and you want the Holy Spirit to come inside of you and begin to dissolve and begin to remove the pieces of you that you don't like, that you're not proud of. I want to invite you to come forward this morning. I'm going to pray with you. I believe that you'll receive Jesus and walk out of here a changed and a new person. If you need prayer for anything else, Lynn and I will be up here to pray with you as we sing out. me when I call.
sees all those tears that fall and he hears you when you call but he You guys ready to have an amazing week? All right, listen, we will see you back here next week. We're going to start a brand new series. Happy Valentine's Day. You guys have a great week.